You're listening to Obiter, a Toronto-based podcast presented by Titan Defense LLP, where we endeavor to bring you commentary and summaries of criminal cases from the courts for Ontario. Please note that this is meant to be used as an informative aid in bringing these cases to your attention. This podcast is not a substitute to reading full cases. Hello, hello, hello. So this is uh, another episode of Obiter, and uh, I'm Sina Shabisteri, partner and criminal defense lawyer at Titan Defense LLP, and I'm here with my partner. Kabir, I'm also a criminal defense lawyer and partner at Titan Defense LLP. I think this format that we're, we want to try out is uh, basically providing summaries of particular cases that we find interesting and just providing a little bit of commentary on it rather than in this instance regurgitating what the cases are about and we thought we would just uh, cover one case per episode sort of thing so uh, something new we're trying so i think the first case that we're gonna talk about kabir uh, today is uh Sitladeen, which we're both very well acquainted mm-hmm. with <laughs> yeah, absolutely kabir was just mentioning how uh, obsessed i am with this case and how every other word out of my mouth is Sitladeen. um Nonetheless, so it's uh, 2021 ONCA 303, and it was uh, an accused appeal from conviction for firearms offenses, which was allowed, uh, and it was indicated that the trial judge erred in applying the test for racial profiling. So really, this is a case about racial profiling. Um, just briefly, in terms of the background, it was, uh, it was a motor vehicle stop. Um, at trial, the accused was convicted of possession of a firearm with ammunition and possession of a firearm contrary to a weapons prohibition, which uh, came about as a result of a search incidental to a traffic stop. Um, and effectively, what the Court of Appeal found in this instance was that uh, there was indication of racial profiling here, and the judge, the trial judge, made an error in thinking that you need explicit uh, evidence of racial profiling in order to make that finding. So uh, the Court of Appeal obviously said that's not the case. Um, It's gotta be, uh, there's absolutely something uh, as unconscious uh, bias or racial profiling uh, that can come about. And and so what do you think about that? Is is this the one where the judge said that, um, like, you know, there has to be like a lie or something like that with the the police officer? Something to that effect. So the judge was basically, he he didn't uh, find explicit um, kind of misapprehension of the facts or, or lying on, on the part of the police officer. And obviously, we know that that's not the test. We know that that's not how you can find racial profiling. Um, in fact, I think more and more now these days, we realize that racial profiling does happen on, uh, for the most part, actually, um, subconsciously. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to find a police officer that ever admits that they're going to be racist. Like, that's not going to happen. Right. And I think the court has, uh, you know, made it very clear that that's not what you need to do. Right. You have to look at the facts surrounding the, you know, the situation that you're confronted with and make a determination on that. Like, you know, if, if there's an arbitrary detention of somebody and there's no reason why, but they're a black person or a brown person and you find other factors that kind of, you know, they're like a high crime area mm-hmm. or something like that. That's code word for I'm detaining this person because they're black or colored. Right. That's basically what that means, right? It's a chicken and egg thing as well, right? Yeah. Like it's a high crime area. Why? Because there's more crime there or because there's more police presence there? Exactly. And you know what they want to do 
is obviously they want to say, you know, it's a high crime area, but when you're patrolling the area 10 times as much as the, the average area, you're going to find crime. Right. Right. You're just going to find it. And honestly, I think from my perspective, I, I find that it is the case. I don't, I don't think that police officers are inherently racist. Um, they might engage in racial profiling, but I do sincerely believe that the vast majority of the time it's, it's subconscious. And really, it has a lot to do with their work. It's, Dude, it's, it's their training, man. Right. They're trained to look at people and size somebody up based on the way they look. Right. And it just happens to be the case that they do that more with black people and brown people and, I, I, you know, or Asian people or whoever it may be. Right. It doesn't even, I guess the race matters too, but it also depends on like what's going on. Like, like, like a white person in a ghetto-ass area well, sometimes also be profiled, maybe not based on their race, but based on the fact that, you know, they're like in a, like a, you know, like a high crime area as well. So I guess I, I, it goes more, at least in my mind, obviously racial profiling is, is an issue, but I find that the way that police officers are trained in that regard is like an institutional issue. For sure. Right. And, and until like, it might not be the individual police officer who thinks like, you know, these people commit crimes, but the fact that they're told to detect crime based on these steps you need to take ends up resulting in people of color being um, you know, detained or, or arrested or charged more. So I, I think. think there's also like in, indicia that the court should take into consideration when, when they're deciding cases like this. So one of the things at this particular trial in Sitladin that, that happened was that the police said that they were uh, affecting what they coined at trial for the first time, a combination stop. And what that meant was that they pulled up to the motor vehicle to get a glimpse of the, the occupant of the motor vehicle. And, um, and they noticed that he was a black man, right? Yeah. And when they were questioned about that at trial, they, they said for the first time that this was a combination stop. And what they what what term they coined about that in terms of it being a combination stop was that oh we wanted to do that just in case the occupant or the car fled we would have a visual of what the person looked like and the court of appeal made note of that and there was no there was not that wasn't in his notes or anything exactly. like that right of course not exactly and that's and that's i think a, that's, that's a really sorry too. justification right. of why like you're pulling somebody over you and know? so you know like i have that's something that i've pointed out in in one of my own cases in one of my own trials you know i had and and oftentimes i think these racial profiling cases are coupled with arbitrary detention where the police are just arbitrarily boxing cars in or detaining individuals and that's an important aspect of it and the fact pattern in my case was that uh, my client was a passenger of a motor vehicle that had backed into a parking lot with uh, cars on either side and the police boxed them in so that they couldn't leave. Leaving the arbitrary detention uh, issue aside, uh, the police alleged that my client crouched down and that they said that that was indicia of not wanting to be detected. They were undercover police. They were undercover cops. So yeah, when no. I asked the cop, I said, what was it? Like if, if you were not uh, wearing a police vest or anything like that, who were they trying to avoid detection from? And his response was possibly a rival gang member, which means that in his eyes, he had already painted my... Guy's uh, a gang member. He's, he's a gangster. A rival gang member. Right? Yeah, you see that right away. So I, I think it's... That, see, that's one of those indicia that like, you know, like it's it's not something you... you, you, you it's like really open from the evidence. That's something that you have to develop. 
like right. in a trial for sure right? this is a theme that you slowly develop like over time and you box them in right the guy he couldn't say anything after that right and after that it's not up to what the cop says that's the submission you make to the judge exactly right I, so I, I mean it doesn't I, matter what he says at that point they, they he try could say everything. no i'm not racist well yeah nobody believes you buddy because this is what you right did. And, and that's the other thing, like you have to establish the evidentiary foundation and judges are sometimes entirely, you know, different in, in how they reason. At the end of the day, we got to stay and we got to stay based on racial profiling and, uh, you know, implementation. of Yeah, 150 page decision from the judge. <laughs> Jeez, man, did you ever read, did you read the entire thing? I, I read most of it, yeah. yeah. Man, I didn't read a fucking word of that. <laughs> All right, so I think uh, that's, that's a fantastic decision by the Court of Appeal. Um, yeah, you don't. It's addressing an issue that really needs to be addressed more and more often. And we're going to talk about another case where they didn't do that. So tune in next time. Uh, until then, peace out from Titan Defense LLP. Thanks for listening to Obiter, presented by Titan Defense LLP. The courts for Ontario are not affiliated with this podcast and did not produce or participate in its creation.